If you're tired of the lack of service delivery and the crumbling infrastructure in your suburb, town or city, you are not alone. Two weeks ago, a report by the South African Human Rights Commission on Local Government Accountability, Service Delivery and Human Rights stated that local government across our country is largely failing to meet expectations. The SIHRC's report quotes the 2021 State of Local Government report by the Department of Cooperative Governance, which found 64 out of 257 municipalities across the country are dysfunctional, with 111 at medium risk and only 16 that are stable. This, the SIHRC says, is the result of very weak oversight of the operations of local government activities. And that is, of course, the duty of Treasury and national and provincial government to guide these local municipalities. The SIHRC also points out that a lack of proper consequent management for wrongdoing has led to a culture of poor performance on local government level. Since residents are dependent on their municipalities for services like the provision of water and sanitation, and also to a lesser extent electricity, we should all be very worried about the state of our country's municipalities. But, more importantly, we shouldn't just accept the state of affairs, as we hold a lot of power as citizens. And one way to harness this power of the community is through a digital platform that Alta created specifically for this purpose. And I'm, of course, referring to the Community Action Network, or CAN. I'm Ilse Salzwedel for Alta, and my guest today is Tim Terrell, and he's the project manager in charge of CAN. Good afternoon, Tim. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello, Ilse. I'm well. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are things in Durban? Sticky. This Sticky. This is notorious time of year, and it's all terribly humid, and there's not much air movement. So there's little wind and lots of humidity, but we get by. It's part of who we are. And then you have lots of sticky situations as a result of your local council and all the corruption and the broken infrastructure, am I correct? Sadly, we do, you know, and it's really a question of where do we start? You know, we've been in a state of steady decline for at least 15 years. Budgeting is in disarray. Not enough allocations are made to repairs and maintenance. And what you see in terms of potholes and broken infrastructure and leaking sewage and interruptions of bulk services is a direct result of that. So there's a whole lot of basic reorientation that is needed, although we are fighting fires on a daily basis where this breaks and that breaks and councils are sluggish to respond. So it's a tricky situation at the moment. And one day it will get fixed. How it will get fixed, we're not sure. We might have to wait until 2024 when people start getting sensible on how they vote. But that's another story. Yes, and it sort of links to what we're going to discuss today. We are talking about CAN, and that is Community Action Network, a proud outer initiative. Please tell our listeners a bit more about CAN and how CAN can assist in fixing South Africa. CAN is an initiative which is a a mature stage point after the initial attempt by Outa to open what we called a local government division back in 2018. We then tried to build up a team that would engage with local government around the country. I did the KZN initiative. But what we found soon enough was that the challenge of 
getting into a huddle, if you like, with local government at various centres around the country was just too demanding from a manpower point of view. In order to reach critical mass in this space, we needed to have a big, I won't say army, but a big team of people based in various centres around the country so that we could be running a parallel drive in order to hold local government's feet to the fire, if you like. So we stepped back from that after about nine months and said, okay, this, this is going to be a much longer slog than we thought. So is there another way that we can get traction in this area a little more quickly? So we realized that the direct and the most important stakeholder in the service delivery cycle is the end user. Now, there's some interesting anomalies here in that the state or the constitution requires that municipalities provide basic services, water, electricity, roads, infrastructure, etc. For that, we pay rates and taxes. And unfortunately, the rates and taxes are constitutionally required to be paid. So the basic ratepayer and resident can't escape that. But what has happened in the face of sustained pressure on providing these revenues, the municipalities collectively, some better than others, have just um, suffered and, and created a situation where services are in decline. And the people, obviously, who are most affected by that are the communities on the ground. So we, we thought, how do we best access that community and how do we mobilize them to demand a better stake and better performance out of their municipalities? And we did at that stage have a reasonable database of community associations and organizations around the country. So we went into survey mode and we commissioned um, a pretty detailed survey of about 200 of these organizations and secured a body of feedback which told us three extraordinarily parallel things, in other words, common to all of these associations. The questions that we had asked them which triggered the stream of information were basically two. One said, what do you do as a community organization? And the second said, what would you like to do? Or what do you think you should be doing as a community organization? And almost without exception, they told us three things. We want to be able to manage and run our associations in an organized, efficient and professional way. Number two, they said we need much better access to information and resources in terms of knowledge as to how to operate in this space. We need to be able to learn about the municipal legislation which dictates how services are delivered. We need to learn about municipal finances. We need to learn about the relationship between municipalities and provincial governments and the oversight role, those good things, plus a whole lot of other useful information that might improve the way we run our association. And that goes from networking with other communities to learning about case studies and initiatives that had been run by others right down to the basics of how do I run an AGM? How do I draw up a constitution? How do I set up my organization in the correct way? In order to be able to give ourselves stature and status where we can, in the first instance, at least secure recognition by our local authorities. Because so many of these groups are simply talk shops. They have lobby groups, if you like. They have loud voices and lots of energy, but the municipality has no legal obligation to listen to them because they don't have standing. So it's very important for these communities to be properly registered and constituted. So that was number two. Number three, most community organizations are unfunded, meaning that while they may have grand ideas and very urgent ideas on how to fix things, they need resources. And those resources can be anything from legal or professional help through engineers or accountants through to funds to actually drive 
their own projects like cleanup campaigns and fixing potholes and doing all those sorts of things. But very few of them have those funds. So they were looking for a way to generate an income stream. So fundraising in a nutshell is what it's all about. So it's a slightly detailed look, but that was the body of the survey information that came back to us. That's how CAN came about. Exactly. That translated into what we now know as the CAN platform. CAN is the Community Action Network. We took this information. We went out and found a suitable software partner who helped us build this platform basically from scratch. And all of those three elements that I describe are the cornerstones of CAN. So now what we're doing is we're talking to as many community organizations and associations that will listen and telling them that we have the tools and we have the means to help them become far, far more effective in this space and to be genuine and active stakeholders in their respective communities and especially in terms of their relationship with their local authorities, municipalities, if you like. I want to ask you a bit more detail about all of this, but just to summarize then, CAN is a digital platform that empowers community associations to become more organized, active, financially sustainable, stronger and effective. And that's a key word in addressing the challenges within their community. Because like you say, we can all make a lot of noise and be keyboard warriors, but At the end of the day, we need to start doing something. But we often hear people say, no, I won't do a thing because I'm paying my rates and taxes and government should do it for me. Local government, national government, provincial government. What do you say to people like that? Because we all know that things are going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, I I think the net answer to that is they have a voice, they have a right. But for so many people, it's unclear. And if they don't exercise those rights through the vehicle of becoming a properly constituted and organized and active community, then by default, they must, I guess, grudgingly accept that whatever's being dished to them or not provided for them by their municipalities will continue. So they are the customer. The municipality is the supplier and the customer has rights. And those customers must exercise those rights. And the CAN platform is the vehicle to do it. Yes, and Alta is also running another campaign called Be the Boss. And I think it's time for citizens of the country to realize we are actually in charge of the politicians and the ward councillors and the people we elect. They are actually supposed to serve us and not just dish out what they want or not do what we want them to do. So, Tim, rates boycotts. We've heard a lot of noise about that. Let's just um, do a rates boycott or do a complete tax boycott. Why Mm -hmm. doesn't it work? Well, on the face of it, and yes, there are some legal gray areas. One is mandated by law to pay rates and taxes. As they say, there are two things in life you can't avoid. That's death and taxes. But some people choose not to pay those taxes immediately putting themselves in a pretty vulnerable position because if the people to whom those taxes are due turn on them and say, but you're breaking the law and I'm going to prosecute you, that then sets off a whole chain of events which is going to be extremely damaging and expensive for both parties. So the idea of a tax revolt, while morally sound, and you know, if you're not giving me what I want, then I'm not going to pay for it, I understand that and I get that. But I think we need to engage on this issue in a rather more constructive way. To enter into the territory of 
essentially, and in broad terms, breaking the law in order to be able to bring things about is a fraught process. And there are still alternatives and options open to us before we as a citizenry engage in that kind of action, which is essentially, let's be honest, a last resort, because there comes a point at which the law becomes ineffective and then anarchy prevails and systems and processes start to break down. I don't think we've reached that point. Service delivery is certainly breaking down, but there's a whole lot more that citizens can and should do in order to be able to make a noise and demand those services than they are doing already. And, of course, they can just cut your water and electricity if you don't pay your rates and taxes or your water bill. It's as as simple as that, and that's also what most municipalities are doing. But take our listeners through the alternatives. What can they do under the CAN umbrella, for instance? What, What advice can you give them? Okay. So what we're suggesting is, And we have a whole population of community associations out there which are at various stages of maturity. Some of them, like in the northern suburbs of Johannesburg, they're in a big metro after all. They've been around for a long time. They're well-organized, well-constituted, and they're active and very effective. There are others right at the other end of the scale where you simply have concerned communities where they are not organized in any shape or form, and they don't even have associations. So we're aiming at that whole population. The idea is to get communities to assemble themselves into proper community association structures. And the CAN platform provides the tools and the framework to do exactly that. So we want these very active and very vocal groups to get together to set themselves up as a properly established association with a constitution, registered indeed, and the easiest route to go as as a voluntary association through the Department of Social Development to open a bank account. And if those three fundamentals are in place, then they can join the CAN platform because thereafter comes the kind of mobilization phase. We've done the basics, and then we need to start putting our organization together. We elect office bearers. We appoint chairman, secretary, treasurer, etc. We set up communication channels with the people who wish to participate. And CAN is exactly designed to do precisely that. Yes, it's a digital platform. In other words, they have access to a whole network of of people. I see some of the services that can be handled via CAN is something as important as communications, bulk SMSs, emails to the community, updates to the members, feedback. So it's really one very, very effective way of speaking to a lot of people at the same time. Absolutely. And one can do that through various different ways. The thing is structured in such a way that you can set up committees and subgroups and you can channel communications to only those people, if you wish. There may be an environmental committee, there may be a security committee, there may be an infrastructure committee. And the chairperson and the office bearers in that organization can communicate through the platform to those subgroups. It all depends on how you set it up and the flexibility of the platform in order to, to get that right is all built into it. So it's an incredibly flexible and versatile tool in order to be able to run your organization irrespective of how it's set up because structures are going to differ from from place to place. You know, in a deep rural secondary town, for example, the way in which they set up their committees and subgroups is going to be very different from the way they do it in a well-established metro, for example. So the flexibility and the opportunity to do that is actually built into the platform. And it's basically a single device in a broad framework 
which addresses all of those things and I guess eliminates the need for ad hoc bits and pieces. And most of these organizations exist through random WhatsApp groups. They have, may have an Excel spreadsheet and they may send out emails to various participants, but it's all manual. You've got to address them. You've got to put in email addresses, etc. The CAN platform is completely self-contained as far as all of that is concerned. So while it takes a little while to actually get up and running on this thing, once it works, people never go back. They just do not go back because it becomes their standard framework and the kind of central way of managing and operating that association. Let me go back one step and just tell you a little bit of the process of how communities engage on the CAN platform and then the cost okay. component will follow. So the first step is to register one's association as an entity on the platform. And that requires a bank account, it requires some kind of founding document, and it requires registration and a registration number as a properly constituted organization. As I said, usually as a voluntary association through the Department of Social Development. Once that is done and the association has registered itself on CAN, automatically thereafter they are given their own website, which is their portal onto the platform for all their members. So the next step is for that association to advise its members that they have registered on the platform and for those members, please, to sign up in their individual right, because in the process, they accept the constitution of their parent association. They accept its code of conduct. They accept the way in which they operate. So you're basically asking them to commit and to abide by the rules and conditions that the association requires. In that sign-up process, there are two options. People can sign up as a member only without being a paid member, and that simply allows them to receive communications, emails, whatever, from their parent organization. But it does not allow them full access to the whole suite of offerings on the platform. The other category of membership is to sign up as a paid member. And the recommended way we do it is for them to commit to a monthly debit order. And that debit order is paid to CAN, well, to Outer, but to the CAN division. And at that stage, we will reallocate the funds on this basis. 15% of those contributions is retained by CAN for a number of things, further development of the platform, platform maintenance, future issues and growth of the platform and our expansion of the platform to hopefully every community around the country. So that's a, a percentage or a, a handling fee, if you like, which we require or ask for. The other 85% gets paid straight back into the bank account of the parent association, upon which it is now no longer accessible by us, and it becomes the nest egg which continues to grow and a growing fund for the association. And that's the kind of the nuts and bolts of the fundraising mechanism that we use. There's so much value built into that 15%. Some people say 15%, really? One of the challenges we face is that many of these organizations previously were unfunded. Some of them require ad hoc funds and people make contributions, voluntary contributions. They can do that too still. But the idea is to try and get people to embrace the notion of monthly paid membership so that the thing ticks over steadily and the income stream is assured and it puts that association into a position to be far more effective in what they seek to do. Okay, and with a little bit of funding in your own community network, you can, of course, also hire people to do some of the work that members cannot get around to um, or that members are not trained to do. Well, precisely. The traditional model is because it's a volunteer organization, you have committee members casting around among the community for people who will do things 
either at a reduced price or pro bono. For example, if they need to launch a court case against the municipality because they have you know, broken the law and they're just not fulfilling their mandate, that's going to cost. If you have a tame lawyer in your community who'll do it for nothing, well, good luck to you. But volunteer and pro bono work, while it's all very creditable and people should be praised for it, it's not sustainable. It just does not work in the long term. And it's important to put oneself as an organization into a position where you can, in the normal course of things, as everyone else does, pay for services. And it's a far more professional, far more effective way of running a community organization. Now, some people will turn around and say, but hang on a minute, I'm already paying rates and taxes, and I'm, I'm not getting bang for my buck. I'm not getting the services for which I pay. So why should I pay more? I think that the grim reality of that is that we have for many years now, and in an increasing way, faced a situation where municipalities are not delivering. The challenge then in return, and it may sound a bit a bit confrontational, is, okay, but just imagine if you don't do anything, this is either going to continue at the level at which it is already, or it's going to get worse. So you choose. Step up to the plate, make a, and it's a nominal contribution, there's, there's nothing taxing about it. But yes, what we want is people to have a stake in the game, skin in the game, if you like, and we want them to be active and participative community members. And we see that as the only long-term way forward. And I suppose every community association can determine their own subscription. There's no set fee. There isn't, other than we recommend an entry level of about 50 rand per month per member. Depends where you are, of course. I mean, we have a couple of communities in Bedford View, for example, and in, in Craigall Park in Johannesburg, where for both of those communities, their minimum entry point is 200 rand. And they're quite happy to do that. And their members are quite happy to sustain that. There are others who choose to contribute more. So they're given a range of options in terms of the contributions that they make with the request, let's put it that way for now, that their minimum entry point is 50 rand a month. Okay, and Tim, um, if these organizations register on CAN, you guys are also in the perfect position to help with things like legal information and how the Municipal Funding Management Act works and whose job is, um, for instance, the roads in a suburb. So Alta mm -hmm. and Can always stays in the background as advisors. Yes, correct. You know, we, we are a team. We want to do two things, and the two may sound contradictory at first. We want the platform to be so user accessible, user friendly, if you like, to the point that people can run their own affairs using the CAN platform with minimal or no input from us. We think that the platform is as well developed as that and that that can work. However, there will always be, or usually there are, queries and questions along the way, particularly when it comes to what do we do when we have the municipality not delivering services here? I've got sewage in the streets and it is a, it's a hazard to public health. Well, there are legal steps that need to be taken. We don't necessarily offer the legal resources unless we're taking on a national level project where this is a common problem among a number of municipalities. But we do have a lot of expertise and experience in that space and we can point people in the right direction and advise them how to continue. We don't want to turn ourselves into an advisory service, although that's always there. We have a very strong support team that will support and manage and help members who join up on the CAN platform. But we don't want them to become reliant on us. And I don't mean to say that that doesn't mean that we're able to help them. Of course, we're able to help them and we're very willing to help them. But we want them to move themselves towards a point of self-sufficiency where they are independently empowered and able to run their affairs properly. 
Tim, any last thoughts on Cannes? Anything else you want to share with uh, South Africans who are tired of the chaos and the crumbling of infrastructure? Yeah, a couple of things, Ilsa. I think it's important for people to know that we don't seek to make money out of this. This is not a commercial venture. We obviously would like to cover our costs. And in the long term, it must become self-sustaining, particularly as it grows. Otherwise, the cost burden for us will make it unsustainable. So that's why we ask for a, an administration fee or a contribution of contributions along the way. That's number one. Number two, we have a long-term vision which underpins the CAN project, and it takes two forms. One is that by activating and empowering communities, we seek to have a direct impact on the quality and the effectiveness of service delivery. But it must be at the hands of the people who are being affected by the service delivery or lack of it at municipal level. So it's again about empowerment. The third issue is that the other vision that we have for the CAN platform, it's that it will, in the relatively near term, become the recognized universal standard for community association management and administration across the country. And it's suitable for somebody who wants to start up an organization from scratch and it's equally suitable for mature organizations that have been running for years. We deal with one in the northern suburbs of Johannesburg, for example, that was constituted in 1917, and they're very interested in the CAN platform. We have one who was constituted in 1937 who are already on the CAN platform, um, and it's really heading in the right direction. So it's for and Sorry to interrupt you, but I suppose those community networks created lovely communities to live in, beautiful suburbs um, with a lot less problems than the average uh, suburb in South Africa. Yes, but bearing in mind that these are um, community associations that fall within the COJ metro. So they're also, unfortunately, the victims of general poor service delivery. But yes, because they're right. properly constituted, they are, they are much more visible and much more able to have a voice to engage with the municipality and say, hey, come, this is what you should be doing, but you're not. And, and I suppose the municipality is a bit scared of them as well. I think so, Ilsa. And the last thing we want to do is to start a revolution. But the first thing we want to do is to make sure that people who pay for services receive them. And that's what the CAN platform ultimately will help them to do. The idea that we engage actively with municipalities and local authorities comes with a, not a condition, but with a strong recommendation. We have found in the past that being confrontational and angry and rebellious and you know, shouting and screaming and telling municipalities how bad they are doesn't really work. All it does is it puts people's backs up, it hardens positions and draws up obstacles which are sometimes very difficult to repair and they have lasting damaging effects on relationships. Our strong suggestion and certainly what is again woven into the platform is the notion of constructive engagement. We want people to be aware of the services to which they're entitled. We want people to be aware of the fact that there should be a useful and productive working relationship between municipalities and their communities. And that's what we seek to enhance. So the idea of creating proper relationships with nominated officials and elected officials, ward councillors, PR councillors, area managers and things, that's important to be able to establish those relationships and to come to those tables with constructive ideas and the right attitude. There's a whole lot more that can be achieved with a constructive engagement than fighting with people. Thanks, Tim Terrell. Where can people get hold of you if, you, if they want more information on CAN? There is a okay. website that is can.org.za. But if somebody listened to this chat today and they want to speak to you, where do they get hold of you? Okay, I have an email address, which is tim.tyrrell at outer.co.za. 
My surname is spelled T-Y-R-R-E-L-L. Or they can phone me if they wish on 082-571-4285. I'd look forward to calls. Thank you. And that was Tim Terrell. He is from Outer's Can Initiative. Tim, thank you for your time and good luck with all that you are trying to achieve with Can. We are looking forward to excellent results. Thank you, Elsa. Nice talking to you and thanks for the opportunity. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends and let's start changing South Africa one neighborhood at a time. And if you like Arta's work, please consider donating to them. It's as easy as clicking on arta.co.za. You will find a Join Now button on our website. <music>